Yeah, thank you for the introduction, Mira, and really happy to be here. And thank you for spending a lovely afternoon in the basement, in the yes. close room with me. Um, I'll talk for about half an hour. I'll leave plenty of time for questions and discussions. Uh, I'll probably stand up for, for the, the live stream. How we build newsletters. Three things I hope to share with you today, because sharing is caring. First of all, the Economist has been investing heavily in developing new digital products as well as, as improving existing ones. So what do we mean by digital products and how and why do we build them? Newsletters are one of the key digital products and that's the area I'm responsible for. So I'll talk a bit about how and why we build newsletters. I'll follow up with a case study on how we apply this digital strategy, this product strategy on improving our weekly newsletter, which is our flagship newsletter. Um, and I'll talk for half an hour and follow by some questions. Quick uh, introduction about myself. Um, I started my journalism career in Canada at Canada's public broadcast to the CBC. Uh, spent three years there covering local, national, international news. Uh, after about three years, I felt like it was a good time to go back to school to recharge. Now, when I was researching for, when I was preparing for the seminar, I went on the Reuters Institute's website. I read that this fellowship offers a space for reflection. And that was exactly how I felt after three years of night shifts, weekend shifts, and just unrelenting deadlines. So I'm sure many of you could relate. I went back to school and that's how I ended up in the UK. I did my master's at UCL on environmental science because I've always been passionate about the environment, how the ecosystem functions, how we can better protect it. In 2016, uh, as I was finishing my master's degree, the Economist social media team was expanding, so I joined as a social media writer. And in 2017, when we created the products team, the newsletters team, I joined as the newsletters editor. So the newsletters team is currently a team of one, so I wear many hats. On the editorial side, I work with editors to curate the best stories for the email. On the commercial side, I work with our marketing team, our advertising team to figure out ways to commercialize the products. And on the tech side, on the product side, I work with designers and developers to make sure our email looks beautiful, as well as works on different devices and email clients, which is more difficult than other things. An email could look very well on Gmail, but just completely falls apart in Outlook. But we'll talk a bit more about that. Moving on, what are digital products and why invest in them? So The Economist has been around since 1843. And in fact, we just celebrated our uh, 175th anniversary a couple weeks ago with an anniversary edition. It doesn't really need much induction. It has been producing world-class journalism since 1843. And most of you, most readers, probably associate The Economist with a print publication, with a physical copy of the magazine, which is sitting on the table. However, I think gone are the days when delivering a magazine through the mail slot is the only way to reach readers. Nowadays, I think journalism is a two-way conversation with multiple touch points. Readers want to hear from us through multiple channels, physical, digital, even virtual. And we want to connect with readers through multiple channels, digital, virtual, and, and physical. So as Denise Law, our head of products, puts it, we need to complement our world-class journalism with a world-class digital experience. If we aim to reach, acquire, and retain more subscribers, we must invest in our digital products. So in 2017, we created the digital products team led by Denise. But not just any digital products. The team's current focus is on our website, our app, and our newsletters. I think the timing of this decision and the focus of this decision needs just discussion before we move on. Um, as some of you who have met Denise will know, Denise and I come from the social media team. And while we were there, it was 
pretty difficult to miss the decline, both in terms of traffic and in terms of quality in social media platforms, and particularly Facebook. So we have to invest in our own platforms, platforms we can control, to hatch against the exposure of third-party algorithm-based platforms like Facebook. Hence the investment in our own website, our investment in our own, own app, and investment in our own newsletters. To illustrate this digital strategy, to illustrate this product strategy, I always use this inverted pyramid, my second favorite inverted pyramid after journalism inverted pyramid. So in marketing jargon, this is called a customer funnel. It shows how companies uh, reach new customers and retain existing ones. I'll probably use customers and readers interchangeably. At the top of the funnel, we have social media, search engines, and third-party platforms to help us broaden the top of the funnel, to introduce the economists to, to, to more people, to increase our reach, to increase our awareness, and to introduce it to people who have never heard of the economists before. And once we have these readers' foot in the door, we use newsletters and websites to deepen our relationship with them, to encourage them to sample the depth, the breadth of our content in the hope of converting them into subscribers. And once they become subscribers, we offer them our subscriber-only app in the hope of uh, turning them from new subscribers into loyal subscribers. So just to recap, we're leveraging at the top of the funnel, we're leveraging the reach and the scale of third-party platforms to increase the reach uh, of the, and the awareness of the economists. And at the bottom of the funnel, we're using our own platforms to increase the gravity of the funnel to pull people deep down. Uh, that was a very quick recap for our digital strategy. While you enjoy the meme, I'll take a quick sip of water. Um, emails are an incredibly versatile platform. Uh, like I said, we have control over our emails. We have control over the timing, the delivery, the presentation, the audience, which is very different from social media platforms. And there are so many possibility, possibilities on how we can transform a blank canvas into the perfect email. Now that was in theory. In reality though, this was exactly how I felt in the first few months of my job. Going from point A, the blank canvas, to point B, the perfect email, isn't that straightforward. And, and I think what made things more complicated was I didn't even know where point B was. What should the perfect email look like? Should it be a long email, multiple sections? Should it be multiple emails targeting multiple niche audiences? I, I didn't know. When we first started the team, we struggled with issues like, do we have the right technology to make emails work? What should the design look like? How does advertising fit into the whole subscription model? CTA, which stands for call to action, it's a marketing term. What actions do we want readers to take once they finish reading the email? Sign up journey, how do we get readers to sign up? How do we onboard them? How do we get them familiar? How, them, how do we get them to, to get used to the, the email? And resource, with a new team, the product team is new, the new sort of team's team of one, do we have enough resource to accomplish what we want to do? And that was me, sweating and confused and terrified. Um, after struggling for a few months, we decided to take a step back. Instead of focusing on how to develop the perfect email, we asked ourselves, why should we develop emails in the first place? Um, when readers sign up for emails, ch for newsletters, chances are it's not because they want to have more emails. I don't receive enough emails, please send me more, says no one ever, I can guarantee you. So when readers sign up for emails, what do they really hope to achieve? I started to do my research, and I came across this quote by economics professor Theodore Levitt. He said, people don't want to buy a quarter inch drill, they want a quarter inch hole. 
Now, it took me a while to appreciate this sentence, and you might interpret it differently than I do. So how I interpret is that when people go to the shop to buy a drill, what they really want is to have a hole on their wall. And if you dig a little bit deeper, the reason why they want to have a hole on the wall is probably because they want to hang a picture of their dog on the wall. So in this case, the drill is simply the tool. The, really, the, the problem that needs to be solved is to, to have a solution to hang a picture on the wall. And when we apply this mentality to, to newsletters, really, email is simply the tool. What is the problem that readers try to solve when they sign up for newsletters? So we started to do some re user research. Um, the best way to find out what problems readers try to solve is to actually talk to readers. We first looked at our most famous reader, Bill Gates, who brags on Twitter about how he reads the economist from cover to cover. However, for those of us who are not billionaires, who've got laundry to do, who've got trains catch, The Economist is a pretty daunting read. It's got 80 pages in-depth, solid analysis every single week. Many of us actually struggle to finish the content. And this is my favorite article from The Onion with the headline, The Economist to halt production for month to let readers catch up. I think the article is so good, we might just have to take the time to just read the text. I remember this <laughs> Mira, do you want to just read the text for, for us? Yeah. World-renowned news and opinion magazine, The Economist, announced plans to suspend any new online, print, new online and print content for the next month in an effort to finally allow subscribers a chance to catch up. It's only fair to our readers, said Economist editor Winthrop Parker, adding that there was no reason for subscribers to feel ashamed for not knowing every last detail about the current economic and geopolitical climate. Even just scanning over some of the feature stories can sometimes take two or three daily bus commutes to finish. After all, some of these issues have as many words in them as a short novel. No one should be expected to do that in one week. In related news, ESPN, the magazine, announced Monday that it would be suspending publish publication indefinitely until its readers learn to read. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty accurate, eh? So we did more user research. The Onion's not the only place that we look at for our research. I just need to clarify that. Uh, this is what we found. For our readers, and many of you could probably relate, they struggle with content overload, too much noise, lack of time, as you've read in the Arnie article, unread copy guilt, and they found the economist, the economist a difficult read. So when they come to the economist, what they really need is to, first of all, stay on top of important and timely analysis, discover interesting and surprising stories they wouldn't otherwise read, and get our help to help them filter and prioritize what to read in the economist. Now, Having gone through these readers' pain points and needs, it really introduced a lot of clarity into what we do. It really refocused our, our, our priorities. So instead of focusing on how to develop the best newsletters, now we know why we should develop newsletters. And recall the previous slide about going from point A to point B. We now know where point B is. Point B is to help readers solve all of these problems. How do we get there? We started by hosting uh, workshops. We call these workshops uh, brainstorming workshops or ideation workshops. I usually supply snacks for these workshops to feed my hungry colleagues. And we also have sticky notes and Sharpies to make sure people can scribble down their ideas and move things around. But most importantly for these workshops, we bring together a cross-functional team with editors, marketers, product managers, designers, developers, and so much more. And I think this is important for, for two reasons. First of all, obviously, different experts from different teams bring different approaches to solving readers' problems. Secondly, this is a great opportunity to bring together all your stakeholders into one room to get them to see how, this how these decisions are made. Regardless of what ideas or what solutions you end up on, these solutions will be based on user research, 
these decisions will be based on team discussions. They will not be based on individual team targets. And all of these decisions will center around the customer. So if you work for a large organization, if you work for a legacy organization with multiple layers of decision making, bring people together for these workshops a really good way to get stakeholder buy-in from, from the get-go. And that will pay dividends. Once we narrow down on a few ideas we want to pursue, we make them more tangible by sketching out prototypes. We start with just doodles, stick figures, and color boxes, and once we're more confident, we mock them up into paper prototypes that we can develop further. Once we're even more confident, we build them into actual digital products, simple prototypes that we can test in front of real users in the live environment. When we do these user testing sessions, a couple things we look for. First of all, what features are working, what's not working, basically debugging. Uh, and what are users saying through surveys, through user interviews? And most importantly, what are users doing? How far do they scroll? Which buttons do they click on? What, which part of the music do they skip? How engaged are they? So these qualitative and quantitative feedback will help us go back to the prototype, improve the features, and go back to testing again, creating this virtual cycle of iteration. We just quick recap, we talk about starting with the reader's problems, moving on to workshopping, moving on to prototyping, to improving the prototype, and then testing and going back to improve the, the idea. What does this whole process mean in practice? I thought I'd offer a quick case study on how we improved the weekly newsletter a couple months ago. The weekly newsletter goes out to, comes out every Thursday, shortly after the latest edition goes live. So most people associate the weekly newsletter with the weekly edition. It goes out to over a million people, which makes it the largest newsletter of our uh, portfolio, which means it is absolutely crucial that we leverage the platform, we leverage the audience to make sure we're really using this product to solve readers' problems. To recap, we identify that readers find the economics a difficult read. They struggle to finish it. They're overwhelmed by the amount of content. They feel guilty about not reading everything. So after a few rounds of workshops, we realized that to solve these problems more efficiently using the weekly newsletter, the newsletter needs to become a, a better guide for the weekly edition. It needs to make it easier for readers to navigate through the print edition. And by guiding, this is our hypothesis, by guiding readers through, by better guiding readers through the weekly edition, we can allow them to quickly discover important and interesting stories and prioritize what to read. Therefore, making the weekly edition more accessible, less daunting, and therefore combating unread copy guilt. This was our hypothesis. And here are the features and experiences we came up with to support this hypothesis. We wanted to offer a longer introduction and a more prominent space for covers to help build excitement for the weekly edition, so you can't wait to dive in. And we increase the number of story selections from three to seven, so we can better showcase the depth, uh, breadth, and diversity of our content. And we introduced a bigger, bolder, see full edition button to make it easier for you to go to the table of content so you can browse even browse a bit more. Section indicators. This is probably my favorite feature in the entire newsletter. It's a simple indicator showing which section the story comes from. Now, the idea for that came from our user research. We heard from many readers who really enjoyed the science section of the magazine. But as you could tell, this is at the very back of the magazine. And a lot of people don't have the time to get to that there. They ran out of time, ran out of brain, brain power. So by highlighting which stories these which sections the story come from. Not only are we getting readers from cover to cover, from section to section, we're also resurfacing sections that they may not get to on a weekly basis.
How did the testing process go? We put together a prototype and we tested the new design on 20% of the recipients uh, out of the entire mailing list. And we compared the usage against the business as usual version, the previous version. After that, we conducted a survey at the bottom of the newsletter and collected 400 comments, which were tremendously helpful. And based on these qualitative feedback, these um, quantitative feedback, we fixed many bugs. We didn't get things right the first time. And we introduced new sections and new features based on these feedback. After that, we're quite confident that we're ready to roll out the new design to 100% of the mailing list. And that happened in July. And to this day, to this, to this week, we're still continuing to evolve the product. Um, I will stop talking, but before that, uh, four things I hope we can take away today. First of all, doesn't matter what products you're working on, doesn't matter what your business strategy is, always start with the readers. For a company, always start with the customers. Develop a reader's first vision. And then inspire stakeholders to share that vision. Thirdly, identify low-hanging fruit, identify easy wins, and experiment quickly and learn quickly. Last but not least, sharing is caring. Uh, at The Economist, we're all about knowledge sharing. We share our uh, experiments, our successes, our failures with our team, as well with our senior stakeholders like the CEO or editor-in-chief on a very regular basis. We also share them publicly. We blog about our experiments on medium.com called Severe Contest. I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, and I'm here with you guys to share my uh, learning lesson, my struggles and my, my experiments with you. I'm really pleased to be here. So on that note, I will stop talking and let's have a chat. Thank you very much. Yeah.